0: History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes, reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Good day, everyone. It's Rodney Dawson, curator of education at the Greensboro History Museum, and welcome to History Notes. The show that we started uh, originally, as I always say, to help out our our educators, our teachers, I used to hate doing lesson plans. So I said, this might be one way to supplement a lesson plan or build a lesson plan around in a technology-enriched way. And uh, my time in radio used to love doing anything related to podcasting or broadcasting of some sort. And so it's just an easy transition when you're working at the History Museum to uh, get content for our students to listen to and in an engaging way and since then it's kind of morphed into not just for our education audience but also for our, just a lifelong learner so if it's your Sunday school that wants to know more if you're just a, a citizen walking around in the gate city and you want to know more what we, tr- we strive to make this uh, something for you to enjoy and benefit from and we started our series women in media and so I thought to myself whom can we talk to that can tell us about the industry and what's, what it's like Uh, being a woman in media. And today we reached out to the communications and marketing director for the city of Greensboro and no stranger to the industry, Carla Banks. She said yes, she would join us. And so we appreciate you for joining us here on History Notes.
1: Thank you, Rodney. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully I can do as good a job as you.
1: Oh, no pressure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of, uh, what would you call yourself? E- even though you're the city, you're the communications and marketing marketing director. At heart, what would you call us, yourself? A journalist, reporter, what is?
1: It? I'd like to say informer. informer. I, just, I think it's important to inform and we spend so much time through our department with city marketing and communications trying to inform our residents whether it's what is taking place through city council decisions or services and programs we offer through our 22 departments. There's always some form of information that we try to get out.
0: All right, and you're approaching seven years via anniversary six, next month? Six years. Six years. Six years. Okay. And then your position, communications and marketing director. Correct. But before that, coming out of school, where, where did your your, did your journey take you?
1: Well, I decided in high school, I was going to pursue broadcasting. So I had the opportunity in a unique progressive high school that had TV production. So I had four years of TV production under my belt. Initially, that wasn't really where I was going. I was going to go to medical school. So TV production was kind of that that elective that I could go to and not have to put a lot of thought and effort.
0: I imagine a big difference in the check, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the time required in college and all of the studying. But it was really the uh, leadership of principals, assistant principals, my teachers, who saw something more broadcast-oriented in me and thought that's what I wanted to do. So when I thought about it, researched it, and realized there's a real Potential career here, I decided to switch gears in 11th grade and went that track. So, broadcasting television was really my focus. I did a little bit of radio in college. And in the course of being a general assignment reporter, I did a lot of government, city, and county meetings. So, that was really my introduction to public sector work. And then I went back and got my master's degree in public relations, management, and administration. And then immediately started doing government communications.
0: Okay. And wh- where did you go to high school? What state? Florida. That's where you grew up?
1: Pretty much, yeah. I you, went, I went uh, to the University of Florida.
0: You, so you're a Gator. Yes. And we had someone on before. I think it was, uh, who are we on? Tanya, Tanya Rivera. Okay. She was on, and she went to Florida. And so I, I've been asking everyone that's, that's been seated in that chair, you know, give us uh, some insight what what school life was like for you. So you're in Gainesville. What's that like?
1: It is definitely a college town. If you're going to go into media, your your two options then was either Missouri or Florida. So between the two, they compete for number one and number two when it comes to mass communications. So I figured, you know, I was actually born in Missouri, so it didn't really make a lot of sense to leave Florida to go back to Missouri to go to college. So I stayed and went on with the University of Florida. Ironically, my first job out of college took me back to Missouri. So (laughs) it all comes full circle. But to be in that program, it's very high tech. At the time, it was probably more progressive than most colleges and universities. They had their own built-in television Channel newscast for radio stations, so you really had the opportunity to learn not only in the classroom but also just the practical aspects of production and on camera and the whole nine yards.
0: What about the sports scene? Just the Gainesville scene itself. Did you enjoy the football game? His basketball. I
1: never went to a football game. No, (laughs) and that is like the biggest, probably one of the bigger football programs. I did go to the stadium once I was um actually working in town for for the television station there and took me to the stadium on a game day. It's eighty thousand fans on any mm. given day, so it's it's a really high energy environment, but yeah, I managed to skip that during undergrad. Wow,
0: okay well, well let us know if you go back to okay a I will. <laughs> uh, now you talked about it. you alluded to it before you talked about the your staff at your high school that saw something and said hey maybe you should pursue a career in this area but once that was said what in, what intrigued you about it what 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 made made it stick to your ribs
1: well like i said i was initially going to go to med school so i had this very specific track to be a pediatrician so when you know early on what you want to do you've already kind of mapped it out So for me, it was a matter of saying, "Okay, it's going to take me X number of years to get my medical credentials, do a residency and really start working versus doing something that clearly I didn't realize I had a knack for. It came very naturally to me. But then I thought if I go and actually learn the fine tuned components of broadcasting and communications, English was already a strong suit as far as my English classes. I figured, let me just go ahead and build from that, and I can really start my career sooner than later and still be contributing, because my main thing was to always do something that contributed to the greater good. Okay. So again, back to being an informer, educator, however you want to categorize it, just being able to give people information that hopefully will be useful, and then ultimately for Greensboro, our motto and our perspective is quality of life so we want to always focus on how is our work you know giving meaning and quality of life to people who we serve
0: and and listening to you talk you've been very strategic in planning your life so everything was i don't say calculated but you you measured it correct so so where does this come from Is is there someone in your life or something in your life that instilled this characteristic in you
1: As far as work ethic, my parents, I think they've always been just that model of what it looks like to be driven, to have specific goals, and to work hard, but not to just do the work, but to do the work with quality and making sure that if your name is on it, you want to be proud of it. I realized over the years that you never know who is looking to you and who sees you as a role model. So that's another reason why you want to always come to the table with your best effort, because you just don't know who you could be inspiring along the way. So for me, it's just always been about making things make sense. So when I can kind of see the end game, it's easier for me to accomplish goals when I know exactly what it is I'm trying to accomplish, as opposed to having zero game plan and just kind of seeing where things end up. You know, I'm I'm not really good at the spontaneity thing.
0: <laughs> oh, see, I was writing down, I was trying to write down this question, but now I'm going to have to scratch it out. I was going to ask you, you know, Mike Tyson is famous for this quote. He says, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so I was going to ask you, how do you respond when you have something planned out and a monkey wrench is thrown into it? But I,
1: Well, I we have plenty of monkey wrenches mm-hmm. in communications because you never know when you're going to have to communicate the next thing. So for me, it's always about just being measured and um, able to stay calm because sometimes it's very short timelines that you're given that you've got to formulate the message that's going to be best understood by the majority of people and not cause more panic or alarm but offer people instruction or Mm -hmm. direction of what you need them to do. So we do get a lot of you know, the unknown variables. And I always say adaptability is the one thing that we have to be prepared to be able to deliver because you just never know. Your day can be planned out. I always have my calendar that tells me where I'm supposed to be at what time, but that can change at any given moment depending on what happens. And I always say the city never sleeps. So you just never know what can be transpiring at any given time, whether it's something that's going on directly within city departmental activity or something that happens within the geographic Greensboro, like just within the city. Right. So at some point, we seem to be the kind of city organization, we're very hands on. So there's not a lot the city isn't involved in And that's one of the things that really drew me to this particular job, seeing how in tune we are with the people we serve. So if we're talking about providing housing services, we're not just trying to take that on through the department that handles housing needs. We're working with nonprofits, we're reaching out into the community, and we're making sure that we understand who is in need, what do they need, and how can we really provide that thing that they need. So that's where my team comes in. Once we know what all of those factors are, we can formulate the campaign so that people know exactly what are your options, who is facilitating, how do you take advantage? What time frame do you have to work with? And if you need assistance, how do you get it?
0: So I, I'm learning a lot from you today. And that's the purpose of it. It was mm-hmm. to be a learning tool. You know, it could be fun and I can goof off a little bit from time to time, but I do want folks to be able to listen to the podcast and say I learned something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning from you. So that hopefully that's going to translate into someone else. But expect the unexpected is what I got from what you just said. And uh, if I can throw a monkey wrench in there, maybe sure. later on, I'll ask you uh, to leave a formula. Maybe it's a three step process or, or three words that you can give us, but a formula of how you approach things where you are objective and calm when the unexpected happens. And so I'll remind myself to ask you that. But I'm asking one more and then we'll take a break. And but being. You gave the word public sector work. Mm-hmm. OK, so I was when I was Googling what you did, I said there's a term out there for it. and I just can't find it. I've heard it before and it may have been public sector, which is what I was looking for. But working in communications, informing as you do, but working for uh, the, a government system. So in your position as communications and marketing director, I assume that you have to take different pr- perspectives, different vantage points. You know, one is an informer and another is I got to navigate this Politically charged environment. I can't imagine what it's like come November during an election year and how you navigate that. But working as a public servant in government, you've you've experienced probably seen and experienced quite a bit. So in your opinion and based on what you've seen. What would make for a good. Informer, what would make someone a good former and what would make for a good communications or marketing person?
1: Yeah, I think it's very important to be aware of who are you communicating to? So you can communicate on many levels, but if you aren't really focusing on who are you communicating to, your messages may not land the way you need them to. So we try to, at least I try to inspire my staff to always be aware of all of the various points of contact that we have within our community. So that leads and determines what our methods of communication will consist of. So you have your very low-tech individuals, which is fine because they want to tangibly touch and read things. You have people who don't like to read anything at all, so they want to listen. You have people who want to watch things. So we have to be mindful of how do we make it accessible? How are we making the communication relevant, but also accessible to the people based on how they like to receive information? So I think a good informer is not only listening, but mm-hmm. also looking. You're, you're constantly looking. I'm always adding something new to our list of outreach opportunities each year because technology changes mm-hmm. or from a cost perspective, are we doing things in the most cost effective way? Are we using staff's talent to the best of our ability? So we look to all of the platforms we decide based on um, engagement which ones are worth putting our effort and time into, and where do we want to grow from. So with the city of Greensboro, we're often the first to do many of the things that we do offer, and a lot of my cohorts from other municipal government groups will call and ask, oh, we saw you're doing a podcast, or we see that you have a newscast, or we see that you're on Alexa, you're on Roku, you know, you have these kiosks. It is just a matter of saying what's out there, Mm -hmm. what can we add to the mix, and is it really going to take us to the next level?
0: How does your staff respond? Are they energized by it?
1: They're energized because it's never going to be the cookie-cutter approach. You know, sometimes you get into an organization and they will say, well, we've always done it that way, and they can't embrace change. So one thing that my staff has learned from day one when I walked in the door, change is always going to be happening And it will always be with your input. You know, I want buy-in and I want to make sure that everybody feels like they have a role to play because at some point they're going to have to be part of the process. So when they see that there is no limit to ingenuity, innovation, you know, imagination, ideas, then it really kind of gives them a platform to come to the table with ideas and say, well, can we try this? And of course, you know, as long as it's within our budget, I'm open to them.
0: Well, we're sitting here with Carla Banks, Communications and Marketing Director for the City of Greensboro. She's our guest here on History Notes. I'm your host, Rodney Dawson, uh, Curator of Education with the Greensboro History Museum. We're going to take a break here, but when I come back, I'm going to try and throw a monkey wrench into Carla's presentation of her game here and also ask her about some of her favorite spots uh, that she's traveled in her career. So we'll return in these moments right here on History Notes. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensborohistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes. Thank you for returning with us. It's History Notes, a product of the Greensboro History Museum. And we're sitting here with our Women in Media series. And our guest today is Carla Banks. Stated earlier, she's worked with the city of Greensboro. Been there six years, and next month, yes, been a good six years.
1: It's been excellent.
0: Do you miss the sunshine of Florida?
1: Only in the winter.
0: Only in the wintertime. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the most your favorite thing about North Carolina?
1: I would say the people and the pace of life here. When I first moved here, was slow. Seems like in Florida things move so fast, and people are driving fast. They move fast, they talk fast. And when I moved here, it was just very slow, more laid back. People mm-hmm. really are intentionally introducing themselves and wanting to know who you are.
0: Which part of Florida? Southern, northern, central, part? central Florida. Okay, yeah. New- Orlando around there. Orlando, area. yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I-, I told the other guests I went to school there. Okay. hmm And I-, I liked it. Yeah, liked it a lot. Yeah. Missed the food.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, lots of good food.
0: Okay. Now you started your career in where? Missouri not Florida as well.
1: I started in Missouri in Missouri. Yes And then I worked my way back to Florida by way of Georgia and then got completely out of media And then went into government communication. So I was working for municipal government in Florida Okay, and then I jumped out of city government to try county government. So that brought me to North Carolina so I was the director of public affairs for Orange County and then there is a difference between what I... Orange
0: County, North Carolina. Yeah, Right.
1: Yes. And that was funny because my parents didn't understand why I was flying to an interview in Orange County when I lived in Orange <laughs> County. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm going to North Carolina because there is an Orange County, Florida. Okay. But uh, county government works differently than city government. And I had to try to figure out how to maneuver within the, the county space because... <laughs> Some things I tried to bring in that were city-oriented, like city government is always, I say, that form of government that puts you closest to the people you serve. So the things that worked well were my interactions with my colleagues in their different departments. But then the model of county services is very different from city, so I had to figure that out. And then ultimately I discovered I'm not really cut out for county government because it's a little too detached. It's, It's spread out. You're dealing with the areas within a county that are not a city. Right. So for me, I'd just rather be where the action is. So I started looking, I was there for three and a half years. So I started looking for opportunities to get back in city government. So when Greensboro came available, it was just a good fit for me as far as just the flavor and the feel of this city, but also the history, the rich history, which I know you appreciate. I do indeed. and. Again, like I said, the service model that we have through the city of Greensboro is one where we aren't expecting residents to self-serve. We are there to serve
0: you. Okay. Now, in your time, and I was going to ask you, like in your career, even working in in direct media or working at a media outlet, but I'm more interested now uh, in the differences that you pointed out between city and county Mm -hmm. uh, government. So is there an experience that you can share um, that you remember that you it's marked your career or, you know, that you it taught you lessons that you can use, that you use here in Greensboro?
1: From a government?
0: From a, Yeah, from a, yes.
1: Uh, I think all the public meetings that I attend, it really gives me an opportunity to see the people. You hear their concerns. You get to get a sense of what is keeping them up at night. And then looking for how do I make sure that the work that we're doing can keep them informed for the things that a lot of times people don't know is available? So are we doing our best job to make sure that people are aware of all the things that are at their disposal, oftentimes at no cost? And with that, to me, that's part of being a public servant. Mm-hmm. And people always say, well, you could work in the private sector. Well, absolutely, but there's something about public service public service work that gives you a sense of purpose. So I feel that, for me, being a public servant is a choice. Right. And I want to know that the work I do has meaning at the end of the day. And sometimes you get that validation. People will, you know, see you in passing and say, oh, I watch your program or I hear you on the radio or, you know, appreciate those newsletters. So Mm -hmm. that you're not doing it for the recognition, right. but you want to know that the work is actually getting out there because sometimes that's the challenge in this line of work. You can come up with a million different ways to get information out, but does it really get in the hands of people? Do they read it? Do they click on it? Do they see it? Do they watch it? That part I don't always know.
0: So you're looking to see if it's impactful. So you will go into a meeting, a public meeting, and someone will get up, go walk up to the mic and say, I have this issue with my trash not getting picked up. And your thought process is, I need to improve in that area.
1: Correct, because the trash collection is probably one of the higher percentage calls that we take. The call center falls in my department. So if you call 373-CITY, those are my employees who answer the phone, and we assist with water bill payments, water bill extensions, trash collection, um, setting up the service. So it could be a myriad of questions that people call in about, but if there seems to be a trend or people seem to not know something that's very, very basic, then that means we may be dropping the ball somewhere that we haven't promoted the app. GSO Collects apps will tell you exactly when your trash is gonna be picked right. up, if it's gonna be delayed, if there's a holiday change in the schedule, All kinds of things. So those are things that I will then go back and look for metrics and see, you know, are we getting more calls from people in general? Are we getting more requests for people to use the app? Can we measure the metrics on the app to see is that being utilized as it should be? Those kinds of things.
0: So what are your hours generally?
1: (laughs) They're never eight to five ever. I can count probably on one hand how many times I've left at five, which is never the, the it's just not possible i always say a lot of the work i do gets done after five because i'm in meetings most of the day right so then i've kind of structured it that way i've done this for so many years as far as being in government communications and coming up on 16 years so everything for the tv channel happens mm-hmm. after five and it's just easier for me i can focus on script writing you know, reviewing videos, putting edit notes together. And that way, when staff comes in first thing in the morning, they've got notes instead of having to wait, you know, until I get through three meetings in a row or I keep getting interrupted. So I try to figure out the best time when I can devote undivided attention to those tasks.
0: And I'll be honest with you, I had no idea that you had all all of this under your umbrella. So you I honestly thought you just ran the TV channel.
1: No, GTN, Greensboro Television Network, that's one division. Mm -hmm. The contact center is our call center, our second division. We have uh, graphic services, which is a combination of a print shop and a mail room.
0: So you're over the print shop too? Yes. Okay, (laughs) go ahead.
1: And then communications is our fourth division, and those are the folks who are kind of the marketing arm, the newsletters, the website, all collateral materials, news releases, press conferences, that group.
0: Well, I feel honored you made time for this podcast. Absolutely.
1: I wouldn't <laughs> <Wow>. miss it.
0: <laughs> well, that's incredible. So, wow, script writing, reviewing videos, managing staff, and you have to attend meetings planned and unplanned. Yes. And then you have to put together things that your superiors may ask you to do, like the uh, when the, we were introducing the new city manager.
1: Absolutely. I do a lot of moderating. Mm-hmm. The manager came in, Taiwo Jaioba. He wanted to immediately connect with the community. So he immediately scheduled 10 listening sessions and then thought, oh, we need a moderator. So <laughs> that kind of fell Actually, in my wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> how many folks work under you? If you had to- we
1: have 34, 34 people that make up our department. And if you put it in context to Charlotte or Raleigh, so Greensboro is the third largest city in the state. However, our department and our operations for communications actually exceed both of those cities.
0: Okay, so I didn't ask you all those three questions I just asked were not on
1: the (laughs) sheet that I sent you. (laughs) That's the monkey wrench. (laughs) That wasn't
0: the one I wrote down. but But okay, so but this is, you know, it makes sense now. Because you have so many, you have to be so many things yes. to so many people. So when I see you, and I've heard other people talk about you so put together, and, and the one word that comes to mind is poised. So can that word describe you all the time? Yes. It can? <laughs> That's why you didn't go to the football game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so boys is the word that's going to describe you. All right, so I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Okay. Well, I got to change it now because you already gave gave me the answer. Okay. If you could do any other job, not Mm -hmm. that you want to take it from anyone, but if you could do any other job for the city other than what you're doing right now, what would it be?
1: I would probably want to be a library director.
0: Library, why so?
1: Because once again, you're touching all points of our population. At some Mm. point in time, everyone enters a library space. It's a place to learn, it's an opportunity to experience new. Interactions, you bring in so many great speakers and programs and presentations. So I could see the fun aspect of it, but also that informative piece.
0: Right, and it takes you all over the city, kind of like what you're doing now. It here, does. different branches. That would I, that would be advantageous for me as well. So for a young person that that maybe listens to this podcast or sees you on FY FYI Weekly or somebody tells them that you oversee the call center and they want to follow in your footsteps as a communications and marketing director. And, and by the way, is the if I, if there were a job listed as communications or marketing director in Odessa, Texas, would it be similar, you think, to if it was a market size similar, would it be similar to what you do? Well,
1: it really depends, depends on the organization. Okay. I I think when you go through the the core elements are probably going to be there, but then it will depend on their service model. Okay like I said, we have a larger communications and marketing structure than Mm. other cities that are larger than us. So it really depends. And it often is controversial sometimes from a budgeting standpoint. If your elected officials don't value the communications effort, then you'll notice that in different organizations, you'll see it immediately. Either it doesn't exist or it's very, very small.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. I'll start looking for that, too. Yeah. So if someone wants to follow in your footsteps, they see or hear you. And what advice would you give them?
1: Be prepared to work long hours. If you want to get into the field itself from a government communication standpoint, attend city council meetings, go to county commission meetings, try to volunteer for different boards and commissions do the uh, Citizens Academy, so that way you have some kind of introduction and a behind-the-scenes look as to what goes on. Oftentimes people make the mistake of thinking they want to do a certain job, but they have no clue what it entails, and they didn't do the research, they haven't done their homework. So you don't want to be blindsided or disappointed even. Sometimes things look really great from a distance, but then you get into it and realize this wasn't all I thought it was cracked up to be. So you want to familiarize yourself with who are your elected officials and what are the issues that are mostly, you know, top of mind for the administrative part? Because you you have your legislative, those are your elected officials making decisions. They hire your city manager, your county manager. What are those things that they are putting out to department heads and staff? What are we working on? You know, is it a city that is making a difference? You know, is it a city that really cares about the people who live in their city? Sometimes you can see it just by looking around a city. You can tell how much thought, how much intention is being put into all areas Mm -hmm. or only some areas. So you really want to do your homework and determine, is this for you just based on what you feel coming to work every day is going to look like? Because sometimes it can be very different and no one necessarily warns you, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to figure it out on your own. But if you do your homework and just kind of be an uh, outside observer, you can kind of give yourself a little bit of an eye-opener in advance.
0: Right. So in your six years, what's the, if you could pick one thing, what are you most proud of? Something that you brought to fruition?
1: Wow, there's so many things. I'm I'm most proud of my boss. I'm going to say all the things that I've been able to bring to fruition has been this uninhibited support channel and that that sense of innovation but genuineness. Like sometimes they say be innovative, but then they don't really want you to be innovative. Yeah. So I would say my boss has been Chris Wilson has been just this driving force of support and, and idea sharing and bouncing back and forth ideas. My staff I'm most proud of because they do the work. I can't do what I do without them, you know, being willing to stay the course and, you know, just be part of the process, but come to the table with what they have to bring. And everyone has something to bring. And sometimes They've needed to be reminded because, again, if you kind of sit in the shadows too long and people don't pull you out and say, well, I really think you'd be good to work on this. And you have to grow your people and be willing to look at opportunities. But one thing I'm really proud of is collaboration. So sometimes we look at opportunities. Where can we pull resources from another department to kind of pair with our department and HR and our HR director, Jemiah Waterman, was really open to an idea that I said, look, I need a way to create upward mobility within my divisions. It doesn't exist. So you either come in entry level or you're a division manager, but there's nothing in between. So he valued that idea. I kind of mapped out a plan of how that could work. And again, it's all about stewardship. It's on our ID badges is one of our core mission to be a good steward of taxpayer dollars. So I was able to create senior level positions within divisions or supervisory positions. And now for folks who want to stay in my department, they're not looking elsewhere in the city to move up. They can move up within our department.
0: And it, it with, and just keeping it in the realm of public sep- sector work and communications, are there areas where we can see more influence of women and more women working? Or from what you've seen, is it sufficient?
1: I feel we have a very large percentage of our department directors who are women. And for an organization the size we have 3,200 employees, 22 departments. Dis- city, city
0: of Greensboro. And we do, yeah. Yes,
1: so 22 departments. We have a very high percentage of women who are not only department heads, but who've also made it into the city manager's circle. So assistant city manager positions have been held by three women that I know of.
0: Is that unusual?
1: It's um, it was a topic of conversation through ICMA, International City Managers Association, to put more emphasis on how do we get more women to be manager, high-level management. So oftentimes they'll stop at department head level, Mm. but then city manager, assistant city manager, those roles would oftentimes go to men. So you are seeing more women who are assuming those roles, which is encouraging. And then there's more, I think, conversation now being had, putting the spotlight on this as something that needs to stay in the forefront. Don't just hire one and think you're done.
0: Gotcha. You know, originally we were talking about doing a uh, women in leadership Mm -hmm. panel discussion. Realized we didn't have enough time to put it together because we wanted to do it for the month of March. And then we had so many as I was looking them up. We had so many in Greensboro. (laughs) We wouldn't have anybody doing any work because all of them would be at the museum for this panel discussion. So I said, let's simplify it. And I'm going to do a women in media studies. And uh, we still got a department head here. And so, but I've enjoyed talking to you and I appreciate you, especially since all you've enlightened us with all the duties that you have and responsibilities. Uh, I appreciate
1: this opportunity. I I think it's always nice to get out on someone else's platform. And I enjoyed knowing that you have a podcast and it just really is enriching. And I like that your, your focus is to bring guests. And I hope I was able to rise to the challenge who can inform and educate your listeners.
0: Absolutely. And where can people check you out? Where can they learn more about you? Check out FYI Weekly. How can any social media handles? or anything?
1: Yeah. City of Greensboro is on all the social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. As I mentioned earlier, we're the only municipal government whose public access channel is on Roku. And if you have, a, I guess, the Alexa device, the smart device, you right. can... Call us up on Alexa. We're also on the radio, 100.7 FM and 90.1 FM.
0: All right. Oh, Aggie pride there. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So we've been talking to Carla Banks. She's gracious to giving us some time. And say hello to your staff over there, over at GTN and all your other multiple staffs, too. And appreciate you joining us on History Notes. And this has been Roddy Dawson and the Greensboro History Museum. Check us out. We are closed on Mondays, but Tuesday through Saturday, we're 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., got an upcoming exhibit. This will be released uh, later this month. We're recording in the month of March. But on April 23rd, 2022, we have our North Carolina Democracy unveiling. So please stop by the museum, 130 Summit Avenue in Greensboro and check us out on History Notes. Uh, You can go to our website, greensborohistory.org or anywhere you get your podcast. Type in History Notes and you can listen to uh, this podcast or or any others. We archive of it. We want to thank our guest again, Carla Banks, for joining us. You've been listening to History Notes. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visited for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you and keep tuning in to History Notes.